Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. We're beginning a brand new series going through the book of Colossians. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Man, I'm excited to be back. You guys feel good this morning? You guys sound good. Everyone watching online, hey, we love you. We're so honored uh, that you could be here this morning. Um, I just want to begin by asking you guys a question. Uh, do any of you guys have just like in life uh, advice, kind of like not even like really big advice, maybe just random advice, but have you guys ever had a piece of advice that like it just sticks with you? Like it's just kind of always in your head. Maybe you heard it as a kid and you can't get rid of it. You don't know why. Just if anyone ever has something like that. Um, for myself, one thing that uh, just kind of stuck with me, it had to do with driving. Uh, I got some driving advice a number of years ago, uh, and it was specifically advice for when you drive at night. Now, have you guys ever been on a, a, like a single lane highway before? Yeah. Where you're driving one way, traffic's coming right back at you? Yeah. You guys all been there? Yeah. And so this advice that this person said, specifically in the nighttime, she said, whatever you do, if you're driving in the dark on a single lane highway, she said, make sure that you never look into the lights of the car that's coming at you. You guys know why? So, so you don't go blinded, kind of. But what she said, she said, because the more that you look at it, the more you will tend to kind of veer towards it. And so that advice just kind of stuck with me. So literally, when I'm driving in the nighttime, I'm just like, if I'm on a single lane, I'm like, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. It's like, do not look. Because like, what happens, and this is just kind of general driving advice, like just for you guys in everyday life, when we're driving, kind of the thing that you focus on is where you're going to go, right? That's what makes distracted driving so dangerous, right? Because if I look at my cell phone, I'm changing my, my MP3. If I'm looking that way, like, I'm going to probably tend to go that way. And I try to tell my wife this because, like, when I'm driving, I usually drive. I'm not just the driver. She makes me be the GPS person. I'm the DJ a lot of times, and I'm responsible for keeping our whole family safe. But I'm trying to do all these things. But what happens is, like, if I'm looking at this, like, I have a tendency to kind of just go that way. Or if I'm looking this way, I have a tendency to go that way because I realize something that in life, whatever you are focused on, that's the direction that you're most likely going to go. You guys know what I'm saying? We're beginning a brand new series here at church, and we're going to be in this series for the next three, four, five, could be 12 weeks. Um, I don't number these things anymore. I just let the Lord kind of lead. But we're going to be in a brand new series uh, going through the book of Colossians. And I'm super pumped for this series, and I really want to encourage you because I'm going to give us kind of an overview. Uh, I would love for you guys to be here for this whole series. Uh, if you can be here in the building, man, I think God does amazing things. If you can watch online, I encourage you, be there. Uh, but we're going to study the book of Colossians. So before we get into it, I kind of want to give you guys a little background on the book so you guys know what's going on. So Colossians uh, is a book found in the New Testament. If you're new to the church, the Bible is so simple. It's split into two Testaments, Old Testament, New Testament. Colossians is in the New Testament. Harrison, how do I know what's new, what's old? Old Testament before Jesus, New Testament after Jesus. So simple. Don't believe what you've heard. So we're going to be looking at Colossians in this series, and, and this book was written by a man named Paul. And the longer that you are, will come to church, you've been in church, the more you will hear about this guy named Paul. Paul's kind of, of a big deal. Paul wrote over half the books in the New Testament, and Paul was kind of this guy that at one time he was persecuting Christians, but he went from persecuting, killing Christians to serving Christians. And so I want to say to someone, if you feel like you're too far gone, guess what? If God can do that with Paul, what can he do with you? Because if you're not dead, God's not. 
done. So Paul is the one that wrote this book, and Paul is writing the book of Colossians uh, to a young church. And this is a church that Paul himself did not plant. It was actually planted by a man named, uh, I've been trying all week to pronounce this, uh, Epaphras. That's who planted it. Uh, you don't need to know that name. It doesn't matter. But if you're looking for a beautiful boy's name for your next kid, um, <laughs> Epaphras. <laughs> don't give me Epaphras. Um, so Paul is writing to this young church that was planted by this guy. And the reason that Paul is writing to this church and why I want to go through this book for the next number of weeks uh, is because Paul is writing to uh, address a particular issue. And the reason he's writing this letter is because this church, this young church, at one time that was on fire for Jesus, that was on fire for the message of Jesus, they've kind of steered a little bit off of the beaten path. And so what happened is, specifically in the church of Colossae, that's why the book is called Colossians, is that the church there had begun to develop this kind of idea that it's like, I got Jesus, but I got a couple other beliefs as well. And the way in which they lived, the way in which they believed, the best way I could describe it, it was kind of like an all-you-can-eat buffet when it came to ideologies. So it's like we got Jesus, but we got a little bit of this. We got a little bit of that. We got a little bit of this. We got a little bit of that. I'm a Christian, but I'm also a Gnostic, and I'm a mystic. Um, and so there was a whole bunch of beliefs. There was, like I said, Gnosticism, mysticism. There was Judaizers, and Judaizers were people, uh, Christians, that were trying to, to tell the new church to, to live under the Jewish law. And so Paul is addressing all of these people. And if you're sitting there, you don't know what Gnosticism is, mysticism, don't worry. Um, if you stay in this series, I might describe it a little bit. But for today, all I want us to understand is that the church there believed in Jesus, but they had a whole bunch of other competing ideologies as well. Is everyone following? Yeah. So, so, so the reason I think that's relevant is because I wonder for so many of us today, how many of us, it's like I got Jesus, but I got a little bit of a side as well. Can I, can I get practical with it? Yeah. It's like, I follow Jesus, but like I'm also like an Aries and I'm a Leo. Um, and so don't talk to me in January because like my astro sign. So it's like, I follow Jesus, but like I got a little bit of this as well. It's like, I follow Jesus, but I got a little bit of culture. I follow Jesus, but like I'm not really down with like sexual ethics within Christianity, like not my thing, but I'm, I love Jesus. And so it's like a mixed bag of beliefs. And I think for a lot of us, we want to follow Jesus, but we have a mixed bag of beliefs with us. And what I've realized in life is the things that we tend to look at, the things that we tend to focus at will be the direction that we go. And so the reason the church of Colossae had kind of lost their way is because they're trying to look at Jesus, but they're also trying to look at this. I'm trying to look at Jesus, but I'm also trying to look at culture. I'm trying to look at Jesus, but I'm trying to look here. I'm trying to look here and here. For some of us, like, man, I love the message of the Bible. Like, I read it 30 minutes a week, but you watch The Bachelor for three hours a week. And so it's hard to stay on track. You guys understand what I'm saying? And so what Paul is going to do today and what Paul is going to do throughout this series is Paul is going to try and steer the church of Colossae back to the message of Jesus. Because the truism is this. I believe that wherever I am focused, I will go. Wherever we are focused, we will go. And so this series, Colossians, um, I wanted to give it a better title than just Colossians. So I'm going to call this collection of talks for the next number of weeks, Jesus at the Center. Jesus at the Center. Because I believe what's happening in this book is that Paul is trying to get Jesus back to the center. 
The solution for this mixed bag of beliefs is to put Jesus at the center. What he's really trying to do is he feels that the more he can expose who the real Jesus is, the more that he can put Jesus in contrast with the counterfeit, the more they will be able to see who the real Jesus is. Have you guys ever had a counterfeit before? Like anything that's kind of fake? Like my mom loves to shop, shop in China. Um, <laughs> and online. And so she gets this stuff for like two bucks. And you guys know Justin Bieber, like Drew, his brand Drew. Um, I was like, yo, Ma, like you think like the China shop has some Drew stuff? So it's like $100 in real life, like $2 on, on <laughs> Wish or wherever she buys stuff from. Um, and so she got me a bunch of Justin Bieber stuff. And some of it was really bad. Like some of it, I'm like, who drew this? But like others, others, it was actually pretty close to the brand. And it actually looked real. And so what I realized with counterfeits is especially the ones that are so close to the truth, the only way to see if it's actually a fake is to put it next to the real thing. I don't have any real things of the Drew, but what Paul is trying to do, Paul wants to expose some of the beliefs that not just that church has, but the beliefs that we have of what it means to follow Jesus. And so what he says is he, if he can put the real picture of Jesus next to these counterfeit pictures of Jesus, he's saying the real picture of Jesus will persevere. And so his solution to the, Colos, the Colossian heresy, as scholars call it, is just to show them more of Jesus, who the real Jesus is. So this morning what I want to do is I want to present in the best way that I can who the real Jesus is. And what my hope is, is in this message is, is that if we can see who the real Jesus is and what the real Jesus produces, we can take stock of our lives and ask ourselves, am I following Jesus or am I following something else? Is my life centered on Jesus or is it Jesus and? So he's going to give us some clues. Everyone following? You guys ready to go? Okay, so we read at the start that Christian hymn. We'll get back to it. I want to go back a little bit um, to the beginning of the book, uh, specifically verse 3, because in this we're going to see some clues for what it looks like to follow Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Paul speaking, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that springs up from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So what Paul is really trying to do, Paul is trying to remind them of the message of the gospel that they had already heard. You see, what Paul is coming to do is not to give them a new message, but Paul is trying to get them back on track to the original message. He says, when you had the original message of Jesus, he calls it gospel. Gospel is a fancy word for good news. He says, when you heard the good news of Jesus, when you heard the gospel of Jesus, it produced something. And so what he's saying, he's saying, you've already heard this. The gospel that has come to you, so my job is to get you back on track. I want you to understand something. Job for pastors, job for Christians, job for leaders. A lot of times, our job is not to, to, to proclaim something new. A lot of times, we just have to get people back on track. Because you need to understand something. We can have our eyes so focused on Jesus, but the truth is, it's not always easy to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. It's not always easy. That's why Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. What he's saying, it's not always going to be easy. And so sometimes I need people in my life that can actually put me back on track. 
And that's what Paul's trying to do. What Paul is trying to do is get people back on track because what happens so often with the message of Jesus is the message of Jesus becomes tainted just a little bit. It changes just a little bit. It's the gospel, then it's the gospel plus. It's kind of like, have you guys ever played the game of telephone before? Young people, you're like, is that an app? Um, (laughs) But in the game of telephone, if you guys remember, for those of us, you know, that lived in the 90s and whatnot, um, you used to, uh, there would be a saying or a word, right? And then what you'd have to do is you'd whisper to the next person and whisper to the next person and to the next person. Then the last person, what they had to do is they had to, to, to share what the message was, right, to make sure that they had the proper and the real message. But what would happen a lot of times by the end of the game? The thing that was first said was completely different, right? So if the game started off like, hey, I love telephone, that's like the message. Then by the end, it's like, this is the stupidest game ever. So how did that message happen? Because generally somewhere along the way, the message was changed, or the message was misunderstood, or the message was misheard. And what happens so often with the gospel, the message of Jesus, is that was what was once so clear becomes blurry becomes misunderstood. And so the message that we have in Jesus, maybe it was beautiful, maybe it was amazing, but over time, it's not what it once was. And so Paul is trying to get us back to that message. Now, if you're sitting here in church, you're like, Harrison, I don't know the message of Jesus. I'm so happy you're here because I'm going to let you guys know in a little bit. But what I want to do is I want to show us something because what Paul is saying, again, we're going to go to Colossians 1 verse 4. He says, because you have heard, we have heard of your faith. And the love that you have for God's people, that faith and that love spring from the hope stored up from you in heaven about what you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. So what he's saying is this. He's saying when you understand, because we're talking telephone, how does it get tainted? Here's the true message. He says, if you understand the gospel, can we go to the next slide, Andrea? Uh, He says, if you understand the gospel, the message of Jesus, he says, that will produce in you hope. And he says that hope, if you understand the gospel, will produce in you faith and love. And so here's what he's saying. He's saying if you understand the true message of Jesus, your life will have these things. It'll have faith. It'll have love. It'll have hope. And so for those of us today, maybe you've heard the message of Jesus and you think that you know what it is. What I want to do is I want to work backwards. We're going to get to the message of Jesus. But what I want to suggest, if along the way you do not have these things, I would argue maybe you do not fully know the message of Jesus. So here's where I want to start. I want to start with love. Because what we need to understand for Christians, the very basis of our faith is if we do not have love, the Bible would say you're not actually a Christian. Right? So I can, I can claim to be a Christian. I can, we can, all, I can say whatever I want. Right? 2021, I can say I'm a bird, right? But... We can, all, we, can all say, we can all say that we're Christians, right? But at the end of the day, what Paul is saying, he's saying that faith and love are going to be the markers if you are actually a Christian. Love, back on track, back on track. He gets back. Love is the mark of what it means to be a Christian. And if you don't have love, you're not a Christian. That's kind of what he's saying. You don't know the message of Jesus. Now, for a lot of us, we're thinking to ourselves, well, wait, because we live like we live in, you know, this is 2021. It's the most loving culture of all time. It's the most loving generation of all time. Like, doesn't everyone just love? 
so what you're saying, Harrison, is every single person that loves, like, so everyone's a Christian. If we're living in a loving generation. But one thing I've argued time and time again, although we live in a culture that is all about love, and I would suggest that this COVID time period has kind of exposed some things, we live in a culture of shallow love. And what I mean by shallow love is shallow love is this, is I love you if you agree with me. I love, we, I love you if you can see eye to eye with me. I love you if you have the exact same uh, view on vaccinations as I do. I love you if you have the exact same view on masks as I do. I love you if you have the exact same morality as I do. But what you need to understand is that is a shallow love. Because the love that comes from Jesus is a love that is vastly different than a love that is one-sided. The love that is produced when we understand the message of Jesus is a deep love. It is a love that is not based on emotion. It is a love that is not based on situation, but is a love that is based on choice. A choice to say, no matter what, I'm going to love you. Why? Because Jesus first loved me. And I'm called to this love. And so what, what, what Jesus actually says in Luke chapter 6 Speaking of shallow love, he says, if you love those that love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. So what he's saying, he's saying the gospel message, the love that that produces is not a shallow love, but it's a deep love. It's a love where I can actually begin to have a heart for people that are different than me. I can actually have a heart for people that, 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 that don't like me, that don't care about me. So the question I want to ask for everyone in this room that would consider themselves a Christian, let me ask this. How well do you love the unlovable? How well do I love people that I don't really like sometimes? You see, to love those on a straight and narrow path is a shallow love. And to be honest, a lot of times churches have fallen in this category. Christians fall in this category, where people do not match up to my morality, people do not match up to my standards. I don't like them. I don't love them. They just need to change. That's a religious love, because that's a love that is based on what you do. It's a love that is based on actions. And what I argue all the time, and I'll argue it again today, what we don't understand about our culture is that our culture is very, very religious, but where it's a secular religion but it's, 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 a, it's a religion nonetheless. It says my love for you is based on what you do, based on how you see the world, based on if you agree with me. The love that Jesus, the love the message of the gospel produces is not that love. So question again is, does my life reflect love? Because if it reflects love, if it reflects faith, what he says next is hope. And he says hope is where that actually comes from. Hope. And so what I want to ask again, the first question was, because I can say I'm following Jesus. Second question, is my life filled with hope? Is, is my life actually filled with hope? And I'll, I'll give you a very simple definition. Hope is really just expectation. It's expectation that there is something more coming expectation that in the future God has a plan for my life. Expectation that no matter what I'm going through, this is not the end. What he's saying, if you understand the message of the gospel, your life will overflow with hope. Now, for a lot of us, maybe you're saying to yourself, well, Harrison, in a season like this, a season that is filled with sickness, with hope, with, with hopelessness, with disease, with death, how can I have hope? 
how are we expected to have hope when everything on the exterior is not lining up the way I want it to line up? How can I actually have hope? But the thing is this, what most of us need to understand, and maybe we don't understand this, is the hope that the gospel produces is not a hope that changes us on the exterior, but it's a hope that changes us on the interior. The hope that Jesus offers us is not a change in our circumstance. It's not a change in our situations. It's a change deep within us. You need to understand the message of Jesus has nothing to do with what's happening around me, but it's all about the power of Jesus that lives within me. And that power, when it's flowing through me, gives me hope. It gives me expectation because it is a source that cannot be cut off. The question I want to ask today, because a lot of us, you're plugged into something, but is that source actually giving you hope? My uh, stepfather-in-law, I think is his official title, um, he was at our house, they're at our house this week, um, and he changed all of uh, the plugs in our house, because we had like old beige ones, he put nice, beautiful white ones in, uh, back-breaking labor, uh, I love him for that. Uh, but one thing you have to do uh, if you change plugs in your house, if you guys don't know this, I'll teach you guys a lesson. <laughs> uh, you have to turn the power off <laughs> when you're working with stuff. Now, don't worry. No one got hurt. Um, if you want to talk about changing plugs with the power on, talk to Tito. Uh, that's, his, that's his specialty. Um, but you have to turn the power off. And one thing I realized, um, when, when you shut off the power, all of the things in the house that were once, like, super powerful, like, like, let's talk about a stove for a second, right? Like, a stove is shiny. A stove is expensive. A stove can get up to heats, and, like, it's just, it's, it's an amazing machine. But what happens is once the power source is cut off, that stove is rendered useless. It can't do anything. Why? Because it relies on a greater source. But even more than that, it relies on a source in which the power can be cut off so easily. And I began to wonder this week, how many of us have been plugged into a source that can so easily be cut off? Because what I mean by that is in this last season, so many of us put our hope in our jobs. And then suddenly when our job was cut off, our life had no hope. It had no expectation. Why? Because I connected my purpose to an external source. For, for a lot of us, it's in relationships. My hope comes in, if I just find someone, I just need someone, I can't be alone. And so we go from one to one to one to one, hoping something will plug us in, but it's never enough. Why? Because it's an external source. And what Jesus offers us is not external, but internal. It's a well that is overflowing. Jesus says, come to me, those who are thirsty, and I will give you drink. I'm not going to let you down. You see, adversity does not change us. Adversity just exposes what's in us. And so for a lot of us, this adversity has been good because we thought we're following Jesus, but we were just following something else. And so I want to ask, whatever that thing is in your life, if it was cut off, it was gone, would you have hope? Would you have expectation? But the message of Jesus changes everything, and it's internal. Now, if you're sitting here, maybe you've never heard the message of Jesus. But I want to share the best way that I can the message of Jesus because I believe the message of Jesus from it will give us hope, expectation, faith, and love. Can I preach the gospel? 
Ryan, can you throw me that water? Because I'm going to have to chug this because I'm about to preach. Holy water. <clears throat> I haven't preached in three weeks. My voice isn't ready. The gospel, you guys ready? Changes everything. Paul, Colossians 1 verse 12, gives us an example of what the gospel is. He says, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us, come on, from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the gospel. I want us to understand something, and we need to understand something because the whole gospel builds on this and lives on this. You, interns, I know, but you, I tell, you, I tell them not to say you, but you guys, all of you guys, this is the gospel. You're messed up. I'm messed up. All of us are messed up. All of us fall short. The Bible lets us know all of us are in darkness. All of us are in sin. All of us are in shame. And what the Bible lets us know is that darkness, sin, evil, shame, whatever you want to call it, that separates us from God. That has caused a chasm with God. Why? Because God is holy, God is just, and you're not. So there's a gap. That's the bad news. But you need to understand something. If there was no bad news, there wouldn't be good news. But the gospel is good news, and the, the gospel is built on the bad news. And the bad news is there is nothing that any of us can do in our power. You will never be good enough. You will never have enough faith. You will never have enough love. You will never have enough joy. There's nothing that you can do to be made right with God. But the gospel is you don't have to because Jesus has already done it. And so what he says, he says, we give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us. You need to understand something. The bad news is you're unqualified. The gospel is through Jesus. You've been qualified. That which was once unworthy is now worthy, not because of anything that you've done, not because of your works, not because of what you do, how religious you think you are, how good you think you are. It's all because of Jesus. The unqualified have become qualified, he says, to share in the inheritance. Now, you need to understand something. What's an inheritance? An inheritance is something that's given to you. You see, a lot of us have a picture of God, and our picture of God is not an inheritance picture. It's a wage picture. You see, what a wage is and what a wage does, a wage says, this is what you do, this is what you earn. If you work a little bit harder, you'll get a little bit more. In the spiritual sense, a wage theology says, if I just am a little bit more holy, God will love me a little bit more. If I just keep myself a little bit more holy, if I do X, if I do Y, if I do Z, if I keep holy days, if I don't do this, if I stay away from that, don't talk to her, then God will accept me. That's a wage. Paul says we've earned an inheritance. What's an inheritance? An inheritance is something that has been given to you, and there is absolutely nothing you can do to earn it. The gift of Jesus Christ on the cross, there was nothing that you could do to earn it. It was given to you. Now, you need to understand something. Amy, come up here. Hope and love flow from the understanding of the gospel. 
Why does hope come from the gospel? Because when I understand no matter what season I'm going through, even if I don't feel like I'm enough, even if I don't feel like I'm worthy, the gospel comes in agreement and says, you're not worthy, but Jesus is. So you can still have hope. When I lose my job, when I lose my relationship, whatever it may be, I don't lose my hope because the message of Jesus is not just for here and now, it's for then and later. And it builds up within me and I can begin to believe that God's not done. That gives me hope. I can begin to live with hope for people. That guess what? God's not done with them. I know there's people in this room, you're praying for someone right now. I just want them to understand Jesus. I want them to, to, to have the message. Guess what? The gospel gives you hope and you don't give up. And it's that hope and I have this belief deep, deep within me that if people could just hear the gospel of Jesus clear and without boundaries, their lives would be changed. And so that comes from, from the gospel of hope and then hope produces love. The only reason I can love the unlovable, you need to understand this, is because I was the unlovable. I am the unlovable and Jesus loved me. The only reason I can love my enemies is because I was an enemy of God, but Jesus has bridged the gap. The reason I don't give up on people is because Jesus didn't come give up on me. The reason I don't cancel people is because Jesus didn't cancel me. So I respond with grace every single time and I can't do that if I don't understand the message of the gospel. I want to speak to someone this morning that's stuck in chains. Maybe it's the change of the chains of religion. Because religion says, do, 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 do. The more you do, the more God will accept you. I'm here in the name of Jesus to break you free from that because the gospel doesn't say do, the gospel says done. The gospel doesn't say wage, the gospel says inheritance. It says given to you. And so that voice in your head, and if you feel like it's strong, maybe it's from God that says you're not good enough, that's not God. Because when you accept the message of Jesus, everything changes. That which was far has now been brought back, close together. Now, a lot of people have the question sometimes. And they say, you know what, like God, like how could God ever judge us? How could God ever send us to hell? And all that kind of stuff, God is unjust. When I understand the gospel, I realize I'm asking the wrong question. The question is not how could God ever judge? The question is how could God ever save? How could God ever redeem me? When I look at the depths of my sin, when I look at the depths of my brokenness, how could God choose someone like me? How could God use someone like me? But the gospel says not with anything in you, but the power of Jesus. So today, I believe that the scandal of salvation has come to this place. And I believe there is someone here this morning that you need to be released from whatever chains you had and you need to step into the message of Jesus. You are no longer a slave. You no longer have a wage. You are a son. You are a daughter of the King Most High Jesus. And he has redeemed you and he has set you free. And so maybe you're here today and there's something inside of you and you've been working so hard. Because you bought this lie that says, the more I do, the more worthy I am, the more accepted I am, the more God will love me, the more people will love me. But I felt the Lord speak so strongly to me, I had to write it down. But what God said is the kingdom of me, building my kingdom, trying, trying to become better, trying to become more worthy. When you try to build the kingdom of me, you will chase and you will chase and you will chase and you will chase and you will chase, but you will never find what you are looking for. There is no place more dark than the highest of highs by yourself. There is no place more lonely 
than getting every single achievement you thought that you needed only to realize it wasn't what you were looking for. But I felt God put on my spirit today, I think the reason we chase high places, the reason we chase these things is because it's actually close to what we're looking for. You see, I believe each and every one of us is looking for a throne. We need a throne, all of us. And so we chase and we chase and we chase and we chase. But what so many of us don't realize is that the throne was never for us to sit on because the throne's already been occupied. Come on, somebody. In the book of Revelation, John says, I beheld a throne. And he says, but the throne wasn't empty. It was, it was full, it was sat on by the one who was and is and is to come, the one who was worthy. The one who the angelic beings praise day and night saying, holy, 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 holy. So I wanna speak to those of us you've been searching for a throne. You've been searching for a crown. Guess what? Jesus is already on the throne and he wants to give you the crown. There's nothing you can do to earn it, nothing you can do to receive it. It's all in his name. That's the message of the gospel. And Paul says, when you have that message of the gospel, when that is where your eyes are focused, everything changes. My job changes, my relationships changes, my everything changes when I'm focused on the message of Jesus, that that which is separated has been brought back together. I wanna speak to someone today. You were separated, you were running, but today God has brought you back into the fold. Salvation is here today, and Jesus is just saying, who wants to come home? The message of the gospel, it's actually incomprehensible. It doesn't make sense. Paul says it's foolish to those who are perishing. So I'm not calling anyone today to understand it. I'm simply calling you to accept it and to come home and to put your eyes back on Jesus. Let's all stand for a second. Worship team. Now, it's from this presentation of the gospel that Paul gets back into the hymn that we read off the start. Because what you need to understand is that the God that saved you, the Jesus that saved you, he's not some faraway concept. He's not an energy. He's not a thought. He is real. He is active and he is living. And so Paul describes not only what salvation is, but he says, here is the Jesus that saves you. He says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, in him. He is before all things and he holds all things together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn, so that everything might have supremacy. That's the Jesus that saves you. That's the God, so high, so mighty, everything that you've ever seen, everything that you've ever looked at, God created it. That is how mighty he is. That is how worthy he is. That is how powerful he is. But he's so big, so powerful, so worthy, yet he loves you so much that he saves us. And that's why he says, once you were alienated from God. Some of us know that message. Some of us today, this is now your message. Once you were alienated from God. On July 30th, I was alienated from God. Enemies in my mind because of my behavior, but now, 
But now God has reconciled you by Christ's body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. Free from accusation. That voice in your head is gone. Cast it out. That's accusation. It's not true. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're an heir. I want to do two things right now. What we're going to do is we're going to worship. And I want us to worship, and I want some of us today for the first time in our lives to worship with the understanding and the magnitude of who Jesus is. And I want us not to think about our cell phones, not to think about what's happening after lunch this afternoon, but I want us to think of the majesty of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, the one who has redeemed you, the one who has saved you. I want every one of us to think of that and realize we get to come and praise his name. The mighty name of Jesus, the one who is worthy, the one who was and is and is to come. So we're singing a simple song. It's just literally, Jesus, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.